first. Um, why don't you go first this why time? Why I go first? I always go first. You know, well. I'll be gracious. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, so as per usual, <laughs> as per usual, I was like, ah, fucking, what am I going to say? All right, here's this, like, kind of throwaway one that, like, I wouldn't... You know, I would like to get rid of. Um, I guess I'll keep it in my back pocket because Gina doesn't like when I waste time talking I about don't. things that I'm not going to get rid of. Somehow, how um, crazy. Yeah. Um, but. That's rude. But. But. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I want to get rid of high school reunions. Oh, really? Yes. No. Yes. No. Okay. They're. They're, they are the adult, they are adult prom. And by that, I mean they are the adult fake milestone that movies have, like, taught us to look forward to and prioritize. And they don't really mean anything. And then also, like, okay, so, uh, mm, transparency, um... I'm rounding the bases toward my high school reunion. Your ten year? And yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And when is it? This year? Next? I year? mean, literally, oh. there's literally. It's it's. Uh, you know, I don't like. I, I the jokes that I have made to myself is that it would be the most. And I hate that I'm even using this because I don't like to speak. I hate this word, but uh, <laughs> like it's the. It would be. It'll be the most millennial high school reunion ever. In that. Everyone will be posting on Facebook how they want a reunion, and then it will never happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because literally, everyone's like, "Is this happening? When is this happening? What can I do to help make this happen?" Nothing. Two months of silence. Sure. What can I do to make this happen? And then somebody posted on Facebook today, like, "All right, I'm gonna do what needs to be done. I'm gonna throw down 200 bucks. This person, this person, this person." And I was one of the people listed. He was Popular. like, "Where are you at?" I'm like. I'm like, what? You don't volunteer me to give two hundred dollars. I'm like, it, unlike y'all, it would cost me over two hundred dollars just to get to the reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, when did you graduate though? Two thousand nine. Okay. So nineteen. Was, I mean, we're now, literally yeah. Um, I so I graduated in two thousand seven. So I had my ten year high school reunion. So let me offer you some. Words of wisdom from an okay. elder here. Please, please. No, not elder. words of wisdom. No, you're my, you're my elder. But I, I would went. like the some sagely um, elderly advice. Yes. The, I went to our 10-year reunion, and I actually thought it was fascinating. I had a great time. Our school was not like – I had like a – I mean, our school was small, first of all. So, like, there were 114 people in my graduating class. I had 126. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. look at that. So, the same. So, you're going to also have a great time. Um, and it was just like – it was weird because like the clips throughout the day, it's like the clicks who were clicks, like totally became clicks again throughout the day. Like as it progressed, as people got drunker, basically like but how like, long though? Well, so we had like a picnic by the ocean and then we went to a bar. So it was like a long, yeah, exactly. And there was like a gap in the middle. So people could like go and drink on their, you know, like very high school. Um, but it was just like fascinating. And like the people who came, obviously not everyone came. Um, I guess also as a playwright, I was like, this is great material. Like I want to write a 10 year high school reunion play just because it's like, where did everyone end up? And like, who was the 
who were the people who you thought were going to be like doing whatever amazing thing now and like what are they doing I don't know it was just like it was really interesting um and I actually kind of liked that it sort of descended into like feeling just like high school because that was like a weird social experiment kind Mm -hmm. of but but yeah well it's kind of like people places and things right where it's just like somehow or what you also like what people talk about in terms of like escaping those old relationships is that like or or you know going off to college so that you can be the person that you want to be and not every not what everyone knows you as Mm -hmm. and so it's like in a way by just being around those people again you sort of become who you were were. regardless of what you have tried to become and i felt yeah i was like i feel like i felt in high school and that's really weird because i feel like i'm such a different person so like sometimes i was like oh i'm like sort of awkward and like those people are so cool over there and i was like (laughs) what's happening to me right now like that was a really interesting moment you know and how did you all right so going in did you feel you were like i so we're both in theater so like Mm -hmm. i the, the the like question that we that like always get that always hate which is like you know what are you doing now and mm-hmm. all, all these things and and like um oh have you do i know you from anything i'm like mm-hmm. no you don't no, know me from, no um, <laughs> but like um yeah. were you at all thinking about whether or not that would just be six hours of that mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. and like having yeah. to explain to people who are so far outside of the like creative industry like sort of justifying yeah. yourself to them yeah, for sure. That was a part of it. Um, and so I definitely like came in with like talking points and ways to like steer the conversation away, you know? Yeah. Um, so because I was also like genuinely like I was like, I understand that people ask me that because I'm also like super curious about like, oh, so you ended up now you're like a veterinarian assistant living in Vermont. Like, that's right. so weird. How'd that happen? You know, like so like I'm also interested to see how like this person who was like the big jock right. is now like this, you know, so it goes both ways. But right. um, but yeah. Even the really fact that you're living in New York City and you went to grad school and you're an actor here, like you can, like they don't know, you know. Right. It just has this weird, like no, but like you know that it has this weird thing of like, you know, it's like I know that nobody has it sort of figured out, and there's nothing like inherently more respectable about like changing jobs three times, even though the names of those jobs are like more careery names than sort of like also being a freelance creative that's bouncing around yeah um yeah but yeah i just don't know yeah i don't know how i feel totally yeah Yeah. it's a weird thing and i don't think i'll go go Mm. but also i'll be in i'll be in the like i'll be in the I'll be under contract for like six months. Well, and there, barely, you there you go. So I you can't, can't go. go. Because you're oh, a professional no. actor. Oh, no. In New York. I can't do it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my $200. Go plan a party. Just since, since people can't see, Stephen just pretended to smoke a cigarette I, while he was yeah. saying that. And I just feel like it's a part of the I thought character. it was implied. I thought well, it was really right, right. an we implied. Oh, jeez. Ah, yeah, sorry. Can't go. <laughs> My bad, enjoy it. Ooh, that turned into a joint there. Oh, well, I just. Anyways, oh, he was. I was okay. flicking the cigarette <laughs> away. Okay, I was okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but Gina. Okay, so I actually, <laughs> I want to bring something back that this year. Is this that two, time. That's two weeks running, right? Is it? Did oh, you want to bring something I'm back yesterday? Messing, I'm messing just with it. Play no, with the last form. Last time I wanted to get rid of things. Anyways, I'm playing with the form. So yesterday was April Fool's Day, uh-huh. um, which I only remembered today when I woke up and was like, I didn't get fooled at all yesterday. So you thought. 
oh, that was the fool. <laughs> that whole thing was the trick. It's like, we won't trick you in that April Fool's. What? Um, but I like have I have such fond memories of like stupid tiny pranks that I would do with my family and stuff and maybe it's just a part of being older like you uh-huh. don't do that as much but I want to bring back like April Fool in people because I think it would be fun and would just you know put a little little spice in your day yeah um, and nobody even like talked about it yeah it was like a in different various different places yesterday and no one even like mentioned it yeah, they're all just like, summer. shh, Gina's coming. Don't, don't mention April Fool's Day. <laughs> don't mention it. We're going to get her so good. Don't mention April Fool's Day. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what? There we go. It's, my yeah. my undergrad <laughs> actually released this like April Fool's article and it was about how, so like my undergrad had like really um, specific commencement ceremony. It's like, you know, everyone wears white, nobody does cap and gowns. And mm-hmm. then it's like uh, in this outdoor area that's on the campus and they there was just this article that they were like stopping doing all of that they're going to switch to cap and gowns they're going to switch to this like the the coliseum which is just like a big venue um and like basically stripping it of all those idiosyncrasies and it was an april fool's prank but like if you read it it's not it's not done as a joke in any way it is like really so dry <laughs> yeah i'm like uh, it's like a very adult april fool's thing yeah. which is just like just kidding right we will not change our protocol yeah that's so strange <laughs> i did see an npr thing about um there was one it was like last year a few years ago where it was something about people um the headline was about people um just like not reading articles and just sharing the the like headline in the clickbait mm-hmm. and inside it was like the art the the body was just about how they anticipate how many people will share that link <laughs> speaking about that awesome. and oh man you can read like i was looking at all the shares on facebook and people being like i always do this i always like always like, always, you always. Oh. and you're like <laughs> you did it you liar you that's so funny you got oh, fooled <laughs> cool so yeah i want to bring that back all right. Should we start the show? Yeah, let's do let's it. Do it. Yo, welcome, welcome. Hello. This is should we keep this our cultural review podcast that you know and you love. <laughs> do they? They know it. <laughs> they love it. And we look back over the past fifty years of film, television, music, <laughs> challenging your nostalgia to get at the question: Should we? Should we? Should we keep? keep this? This? This. I'm Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we're talking about The Sting, the best picture winner and top grossing film of 1973. And... And we're talking about the top 10 Billboard musical hits Yeah, 1973, because why not? Yeah, because, you know... The top show's still all in the family. Right. And we got a spot. So let's evaluate this music. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And you know what? You're probably thinking, how are you going to do that? You know what? We're thinking, how are we going to do that? (laughs) But we're just going to. Together. Yeah. We're going to take it slow. Slow is smooth and smooth (laughs) is fast. Let's do it. Um, Great. So uh, what do you want to do? Music first or the sting? Let's do music first. I also, I. 
really still wanted to keep my little tradition of giving a tagline to the year alive. Oh, please, please, and please, And it was please. really hard, obviously, because it's like 10 songs and a movie. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is the year of It Takes Two. Because all the songs are like a singer and another person, whether uh-huh. that's a lover or God or whatever. Right. And the sting... <laughs> I'm sorry. I you saw that. I know. No, you know exactly what <laughs> oh, I'm relating yeah, to. Yeah, we're going to talk Holy about that song. Shit. Ah! Uh, <laughs> yes, and this thing is like two buddies, so uh, it takes two. <laughs> yes, we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, for these songs, I mean, there's no synopsis to be given, but we can go through. Yeah, let's from, go through. From 10 to 1, perhaps. 10 to 1. Um, 10 to 1. So we go oh in reverse. So we land on the order. first, we land on the top hit. Yeah. Um, so number 10, and maybe, yeah, as we go, we can just be like, what's the deal? Do you want to just be like, should we keep this song? Do you want to add anything about the song as we go? I don't know how Yeah, I mean, I have some, I have some, some okay. uh, facts. Cool. Um, that might influence whether or not we Great. keep it. Great. Um, so I guess we're going to start with number 10, yeah. which is the Diana Ross hit. Touch, Touch me, me in, in the, the morning. morning. That, man. Um, yeah. So... It's, I just have, so sad. <laughs> so sad. It's just like, yeah, it, yeah, for those who don't know, it's about a woman, she loves a, uh, she loves somebody, and she says, if you don't love me, don't break up with me tonight. Just touch me in the morning before you go. And then you can go. And mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is heartbreaking. It is. Um, yeah, and... This was her longest charting song for Diana Ross uh, until 1980, hmm. and that she actually had like a little bit of a dip in her career at that point. But like this song, uh, like reinvigorated her popularity, and it was the same time that she was in. Um, she was like just about to do another movie that also popped her back into the film scene. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty significant in terms of her career. Mm-hmm. Um, should we uh, should we keep it? Uh, we have to count every, every single. Song. I don't know. Um, well, I'm sorry. I just gonna. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. No. Okay. Again, we're figuring this out together. Okay. My vote is no. Yeah, I agree. I, it's yeah. It's just there wasn't anything special about like the instrumentation either, right. and it's it's sad and full of longing, but uh-huh. it's not that memorable i actually can't even remember the tune right now i couldn't i i I don't and i've never heard of it before i actually have a trade for it a trade Ooh, what do you want to trade something that i would like to say uh, that we that we both noticed was um so there does seem to be a good amount of unity in terms of the style of music um or like the themes Mm -hmm. um and particularly just it's sort of being like pretty slow mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the songs um but um we i think we both acknowledge that that unlike television and unlike film there seems to be uh, music seems to be kind of like a bubble of diversity in a way that isn't seen in the other mediums for much longer mm-hmm. um and I, oh and the thing that i i said that so I'll be clear. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I had an idea. Uh, something came to my mind and Gina was like, save it, save it. Mm. So this is the idea that I'm saving. I think there's something to the fact that like, this is that music more than film and more than TV has 
the greatest like popular influence that like for the most part there is a degree to which the means of production are controlled by these companies but they're putting out all this music they're putting out all these songs and it's listeners that are really they're the ones calling in requests to radio stations they're the ones buying them so so in a way like this is the you could say uh because this is this also has the largest amount of material available to uh the general population mm. there this is probably like the greatest indicator like of the popular vote um and that is all unsubstantiated theory sure but, but it's i mean because songs are accessible in a way that movies and tv are not to everybody right. you know so and yeah. they cost less they right. have like a lower Take barrier entry time, obviously exactly and yeah. then on the radio which is free you know right yeah mm-hmm. so uh yeah it, mm. it yeah yeah agreed it's interesting and they're listened to like m- uh more than once which is like in this in this time like I don't know this to be a hundred percent sure, but like, I mean, there weren't VHS players. Like you couldn't really own a movie. So you could really only see it the one time. Hmm. And then you couldn't, you know, if you wanted to see a television show again, you'd have to go to like a special place that had the record for the most part. You would listen to it or something like on a record. Um, no, well like the, um, like in New York, the Paley Center for Media oh, oh, okay. is a place where it's like it's just like a television archive, sure. and yeah. you would have to go there, tell them, and they would have to like go into the archives and pull it mm-hmm. out. Uh, but other than that, like if you missed it, you missed it. Um, music, on the other hand, you can listen to over and over and over and over again. Yeah. That's kind of the only medium at the time that actually has that repeatability. Um, hmm. Totally yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, Let's move to number nine. Yeah? Oh, but I just, oh, I just, sorry. I just had a trade. I'm sorry. I had oh, a trade. Oh yes, yes, yes. And, please. What do you want to and for? I think that like yeah, it is. I have a. To me, I like the. The diversity of our top ten, so I kind of wanted to preserve it. Mm-hmm. So instead of just going into like the next group of ten, I sort of went through the rest of the Billboard 100. Also, like, uh. Leaving on the Midnight Train to Georgia is this year. And I feel like that's a song that has, like, much more staying power. It does, for sure. Um, The Midnight Train to Georgia. I mean, it's – is there – yeah. Yeah. Let's trade it. I love it. Done. 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 Okay, number nine is You're So Vain by Carly Simon. Mm -hmm. Um, Allegedly – so this is obviously about – uh, there's like three men speculated mm-hmm. that this is about Warren Beatty, Mick Jagger, and uh, mm-hmm. some other guy. Um, but like, <laughs> I heard the Mick Jagger one, yeah, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, she has said that it is definitively not Mick Jagger, but she has released three letters, E, A, and R, oh. which are in both Warren Beatty and Mick Jagger. They are. <laughs> um, but Mick Jagger actually sang that. backing vocals. Oh. On it, yeah. That's funny. Um, and then the bass line, the yeah, um, <laughs> that was done by Klaus Vormann, who was like the artist who worked with the Beatles. Like he designed the Revolver cover. Um, if you 
are really into Beatles trivia, their original bass player, like he was part of a duo with this woman named Astrid, and then the the Beatles original bass player fell in love with Astrid, and then like stayed in Germany with her, um, died very young of like a brain aneurysm. Um, but yeah, so he has like a long legacy with the Beatles. He played that bass track. Very yeah. cool. Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, I want to keep it. Keep it. Hundo P. Love this song. It's so fun. And also she is the only uh, female songwriter, singer-songwriter on the top ten. Yes. List, so I definitely want to keep that. Right. Um, yeah, it's just so fun. And it's so – and it's, again, like about – I feel like it's done in a way – like the lyrics are playful and like the – they're both like poetic and like snarky, funny, you know? Mm. And the clouds in my coffee is just such a beautiful, surprising image. There were um, clouds in my coffee, coffee clouds in my coffee, coffee and you're so vain. So, vain. Okay. so good. So that was probably Mick Jagger. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so yeah, we wanna we wanna keep it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, I love it. Um, Great. Yeah, we can moving just, on. Let's moving just keep on. moving. Moving on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Will It Go Round in Circles by Billy Preston. Um, did you know who he was? I did not, no. So I've never heard this song before. I'd never heard this song before. I knew of him mm. from um, – so, yeah, I used to like be super into the Beatles. And uh, Concert for Bangladesh, mm-hmm. he plays on it, and he oh, yeah, he. Kills. I saw that he was cre- – he's one of only two people in uh, outside of the Beatles who mm-hmm. are credited as like – part of uh writing on and performing and like for their albums and stuff. right yeah yeah because he'd be like a like an organ player for mm-hmm. them and yeah. um yeah cool and sh- i say no yes. oh, well there you go speak, speak <laughs> well some. so again i didn't know who he was so i don't know his other songs uh-huh. but i uh there's something really like this song is it's a weird song and it's very repetitive yeah and it like seems very meaningless at first but i feel like there's a like mantra quality like i don't know yeah. you, like find meaning in it and also just Will as far as thinking about exactly <laughs> and it's like which is kind of like funky but also he i just in terms of like him as an artist um i saw i don't, I don't remember the exact details but he is like he is one of a couple people who like tried to like break away from the sort of like recording uh, production company like recording studio like mega sort of system of churning out music like uh-huh. to make uh, a like independent um way to like allow the artists basically to just like do their own work and like write what they want to write right um and so mm. i just like mm. think that that's very cool and support the idea that he did that and that like what came out of it is this sort of like very strange unconventional at least lyric wise song that's also just like fun yeah. Um, but again, I don't know his other songs, so maybe there's like other of his music that I would prefer to keep instead. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, he's one of those people that uh, I'm gonna throw a name out there that just, people just ain't gonna know. Uh, kind of like Leon Russell, who I'm very pretentious. <laughs> I'm me. a pretentious. Fa- I have a favorite <laughs> grammatical fallacy. Kill me, oh, everybody. Um, I love it. I like. But, I'm a, I love grammar. So uh, yeah, that's the wrong. But he, so I have two reasons that I want to, to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it eat beat be, um, he apparently there are uh, there are some like 
sexual assault allegations against her. Um, and like there are, it's, mm, yeah. So it's a tentative thing because he, you know, hurt people, hurt people. He had been abused as a child. He had, um, you know, he struggled in his life a lot with his own personal sexuality. Um, so that is very heavy and complicated. Um, and I don't, wasn't able to find the deep, uh, I didn't find it. I wasn't able to find enough sort of depth on either side in terms Mm -hmm. of that, that Mm -hmm. information because he was, uh, pretty private. He didn't actually come out until just before he died. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there are still uh, abuse allegations. Um, give me two seconds. This can be cut. Yeah, no, this can be cut for sure. I don't know. Stephen's looking something up. Stephen's not prepared. Yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, Gina's moment? using this time this to... No, well, this is just a very <laughs> serious information. <laughs> Don't you just start lying because they has... can't see us. I'm sitting here patiently. Well, no, I just... Um... Well, I just wanted to make sure I was, I was struggling to verify um, that. I mean, the more that I, I was trying to find the, it, 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 I was trying to find something that like substantiated what mm-hmm. I said about the, his yeah. sexual assault allegations mm-hmm. um, that to which he pleaded no contest, um, and I was struggling to find that. So I didn't want to be wrong. Or and I definitely didn't want to have conflated it with sure. the abuse that he had received. Ah, yes. um, I just I just wanted to make sure that I was treating that with uh, appropriate sensitivity. Thank you. Um, and I mean, yeah. The and the what I would trade it for is that this year. Uh, no, I'm feeling I'm feeling conflicted, but I'm I'm mm. just gonna hold it that this yeah. year. Uh, Here I Am, Come and Take Me by Al Green came out, mm. um, which is just such a sick song. Mm-hmm. And then he had his Soul Train moment where he fell backstage, broke his arm, took off like a scarf, made a sling out of it, and went on stage and performed anyway. Oh. And if you watch that performance, you're like, this is freaking badass yeah um and because he just gave like a killer set um cool and i just think that i also think that song has had more staying power Mm. than 
then, oh, this song then is this yeah, one. nobody this knows one this song. It's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's keep moving. Let's do it. Let's do All it. All right, number seven. Sorry to slow no, everything no, no. down. It's Gina good. It's thing. important. Okay, you know what? It's Dang. important. I care about time and our listeners. Time. Number I seven care about our is ear sound quality. <laughs> uh, number seven was Crocodile Rock by Elton John, the one and only Elton John. Mm-hmm. Should we just go right into how we feel about it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep it. No. No? I don't what? like this song. Yeah? Go for it. I, okay. Ugh. I just think that thinking about Elton John, I feel like this song is not one of his best. And it also, so like there's, there was this whole question. I think it's like, you can't, it's like super undanceable, like the rhythm of it. I just like don't. I don't know. And like for a song that's like about like the good old days of rock and roll and stuff. I'm Uh like, what, uh, like where, how would you dance to this? Which is maybe not like the number one um, consideration, but seems important to me. Maybe I'm just wrong about. Well, I'm just wondering now when you think about like songs from the, like the early sort of rock songs in the Mm -hmm. 1950s are some coming to mind that you're like, I will feel like dancing to that. I'm sure that there are. I just can't let me, give me a second. Okay. (laughs) But the other points are um, that like because there was so there's like this stuff of this question. There's this whole lawsuit about this song that he like stole um, some of it from mm-hmm. like various other artists. And then he his defense was like, yeah, it's meant to be like derivative. That's like the whole point of it is it's supposed to be derivative. And I was like, that's a really <laughs> annoying like reason to make a song. Um, and I just I don't know the nostalgia of it of like, oh, those good old days. I just like the the idea of like nostalgia for a time I don't know when like things were not like better except for for a certain group of people like in general just sort of makes me worried um and like I don't know yeah I don't know if that all makes sense but I mean it does I to me I just I just think that it's kind of I just think that I just see it as uh fairly innocuous mm-hmm. um you know like his other single this year was daniel which mm-hmm. was like a good song um great song it was it didn't crack the top 10 um i do like a that it's a silly song that's in the top 10 um with regard to what you're talking about i mean i think that Especially because, if I'm not mistaken, that quote is like in the 90s. About being derivative? Yeah. I don't remember. Um, Very well could be. And so I bet that point he was getting pretty, like, flippant towards um, towards people bringing it up. Oh, it was 1995, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I just, uh, like, what do you feel like is a line between being derivative and, like, paying homage? Well, I mean... I just okay. Um, I just didn't. I don't know. I just thought it was like. Uh, it's totally fair to be like. I just think this song is stupid, and so yeah, I don't like to I listen mean, to it because it, yeah. it it has even even literally even Elton John and Bernie Taupin, the, the songwriters, were like, uh, "Is just a." song that we wrote and we don't care about it and i he was like i don't even it was just a fun thing for us to do mm-hmm. um so like it's kind of like um elton john is, is funny like with 
like Benny and the Jets. Mm-hmm. I know that like he didn't want them to release it as a single. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he has this other song, Gray Seal, that he put on an album twice because he wanted to make it a hit and it <laughs> never was a hit. Um, so yeah, like, you just never know. Yeah, they do have an odd history of like making songs that they intend to be hits that are flops and then just sort of carelessly making songs that end up being hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, do you just want to wipe it or do you want to trade it? Uh, well, I mean, oh, that's the other thing is like there's so many um, <laughs> I could trade it for Jambalaya. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you know what? If you want to, I'm ready to hear this. Oh, well, you know what? Okay, speaking of song. Okay, another song that is sort of silly, uh-huh. fun, and like um, – you know, so I feel like a similar like tone of song that I just maybe it's just because my dad used to play it as a kid. So I like have more of a like it's just something a song that I know and therefore like I am more inclined to uh, like it mm-hmm. um, is the song that's also on the top 100. It's called Jambal- Jambalaya something, something, something. No, no, you got to say well, it. Well, I can say it. I just don't know how much is in the lyric it is in the title, but it's like Jambalaya and a crawfish pie and a filet gumbo. And it's just like all about like uh, cooking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The song is called, uh, is this one that's called Jambalaya on the Bayou? That, yeah, that's the one. There you go. <laughs> um, and so I would trade it out for that. Maybe just because, maybe it is not a better song, but again, just like I, I have fond memories of that song. And I think it's also like a silly one that is sort of like, an un- a very unusual one so i would can't yeah. swap it out for that i you know what yeah. i trust you implicitly and oh, wow. i have never heard that song before so but you, swap you it know out? what <laughs> let's do no, it suck it out and john is gone <laughs> like, we're done. Well, you, yeah. have, you well, have enough songs he does have yeah. enough songs exactly i'll make you listen to that one soon um okay number six Ooh, uh, oh man! Why me? Why oh, sorry. Me? This is your turn to say. Let's well, yeah. well, I, I don't even feel I like, like we're taking structure turns. Yeah, but you know what? This is "Why Me" uh, by Chris Christopherson. Mm-hmm. Um, he this was this song is seen as a come down from the hedonistic euphoria of the 1960s. <laughs> this is also uh, this is from his album "Jesus Was a Capricorn." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um which Was I don't he? know the boundaries of Capricorn, but I, don't know I actually isn't Well, isn't Oh, you know, no, Jesus would be a Capricorn because my sister's What's, a Capricorn um, and her birthday is the 30th of of December. December. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cusping on Sagittarius, some might say, but Jesus <laughs> Wait, was indeed a Capricorn. The 30th of December, yeah. That's his birthday? No, that's oh, my sister's okay. oh, birthday. Sister. I'm I like, mean, Wait a minute. Christmas is people on the have, 30th. People have drawn uh, parallels between Your my sister, sister and uh, yes, the Lord and Savior December Jesus Christ. December 22nd um, to January 19th. So he just made yeah, it. He just made it. He's, Capricorn. yeah. So really, some of the more like sarcastic qualities of Sagittarii are lacking from our current depictions of the Messiah. Um, also, you know, they like to travel Sagittarius's. So what about Capricorns? I I don't know literally anything about them except I think they're, yeah, well, I think the birthstone is blue topaz or maybe it's aquamarine. It's aquamarine. Why would you just randomly guess that when you're like, I know nothing about them. Because they look the same. (laughs) They look the same. They're light blue. Um, but yeah, this song, 
Um, oh, and it, this was the biggest hit of his career. Really? Yeah. Wow. And like he literally, you know, like had a big career. All right. Like uh, I just knew him as the dude from Blade, but like he was in the Barbara Streisand Star Is Born. He was in. Oh, wow. He yeah no he, he was he's a biggin. Like literally, Willie Nelson has like an album that's just Chris Christopherson covers. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I think it's probably clear from our tones, but you want to keep it? No, no. <laughs> this song is trash. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to yeah. do like an impression of it? Uh, um, please, please. <laughs> well, okay, sure. So I don't remember the words, but it's basically like, why me, Lord? Oh, why me? Why me, Lord? Jesus, why me? Throughout, just like the song, uh, sing, talking, and it's very slow. It's very... Um, overt in its religiosity oh yeah my note which, is a straight up spiritual yeah yeah it's uh, and i just don't like his creepy speak talking mm -hmm. speak singing in my voice in my voice in my ear um and it's really slow and it's really repetitive and um, but also you know like this might just be our maybe if we were religious people we would We'll I mean, like it more. I don't know. I mean, maybe, this but is I also obviously a taste thing. This is so. This is the 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 craziest thing about it to me is that this is the number six song of right, the right? year. That's pretty crazy. I mean, he's literally like, "Why me, Lord? <laughs> Whatever have I done?" And he does sing a little bit too, but I to can't deserve remember. Even one Jesus of the pleasures I've known. That actually sounds a lot better than he did. I think that's nice. Whatever did I do? Yeah, keep getting, making it worse. That was that worth was loving <laughs> you. Okay, okay, this is yeah, bordering no, on mean. Sorry, Chris. In my pants. God. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's just like, this is the number six song. Right. Like, this. When something like Stevie Wonder's Superstition didn't even make the list? Didn't even make the list? I was like. And this is number six? Right, because I was sitting. Okay, so I hate that I'm about to use the word uh, Again? banger. Oh, but like when I think of the top 10 songs for the year, I'm thinking like, oh, they're probably. Bangers. Bangers. <laughs> they're probably bangers that are God. fire. No. Um, oh and songs like. Like Love Train, songs like Superstition, even that song, where, no, We're an American Band is not that good enough of a song. Stuck in the Middle. Uh, stuck in the Middle, yes. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, no, even, uh, yeah, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Live and Let Die, all these songs, it, as we've, as we both noticed, Hocus Pocus by the <laughs> by band Focus. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these songs, like, they're just bangers that, like, are not there yeah, on the list and this um, one is number six right so. which i would actually trade it because in attempting to keep the um the the spread mm. the allman brothers ramblin man Ooh, yeah is on here and i would switch it with ramblin man i'd be happy to do that let's right. do it bye boom bye all right moving on moving on to <laughs> number five okay. my love by paul mccartney sir He's a sir. He's yeah, a sir. He's, he's knighted. Um, Steven doesn't look happy about this song, but neither am I. I don't need this song. No, the song no. is bullshit. The, <laughs> the song, song is, is so really fucking stupid. It's so sappy. Also, there's all these, I don't know if you also got this, maybe I just didn't understand it, but there's all these like 
it like references to uh, I'm, okay you talk no, about it, it and I mean, i'm gonna pull up the lyrics I, it's just a it's a very slow song that to me i mean not justin timberlake oh, it just doesn't even like yeah i know my it's heart can so, stay with slow. my love like, there's it, not a lot of song form which is fine but like you know but so okay no. he keeps saying it's like ew ew mm, what oh what? i'm just looking at the lyrics myself Oh, what's the ew? Did you uh, ew? Got, my love does it good. Ew. Oh, okay, so I love, oh, whoa, my love. So there's all these it's, which I guess maybe that it is sex, but there's, okay, here. Uh, my love does it good, and when the cupboard's bare, I'll still find something there. Wait, hold on. No. It's no, understood. Wasting it's it's time everywhere here. with my love. What is the, I don't know. What's right, it's, it? it's just kind of like rambling. It's in the hands of my love. Like, what's in the hands of your? That's what? the other problem with the lack of song structure yeah, too. Exactly. It's like the lyrics are rambling and the song is rambling, yeah. and he's just going, "My love, my love, <laughs> my love." Yeah. Fucking, you're Paul McCartney. Right, Give exactly. Like we expect better. a little more of you. Yes, yes, that's true. Like if that was Chris Christopherson, I'd be like, I'd be like, Good at job, least Chris. it's in line with what you have done. Yeah. It has, yeah, remotely some form of singing quality yeah um also live and let die came out this year and that's like a yeah, that's like a yeah. great paul mccartney song yeah, yeah that's a gr- yeah no swap the, them out why did them. why did people choose this i don't know why did people choose this but then but then we got number four. Oh yeah oh, we, number but then four. we got let's get it on yes. by the one and only marvin gay mm-hmm. um yeah apparently so this was like him and his co his co-writer wrote this song when he was in treatment for alcoholism oh. and it was like a very sort of religious song mm. and then when they workshopped it it became more of a political song and then after they like had already recorded it, they were like mm, let's actually make this about sexual liberation really? and yeah that, um that's and a big change no big change um fun fun thing i don't oh i know exactly how i'll phrase it even though this is the number fourth Number four song on the Billboard Hot 100. Mm-hmm. It is surpassed in sales only by the number one song of the year. So the next two songs, even though they mm. had like I guess more radio play or w- whatever goes into the Billboard metric yeah. in terms of like sales, yeah, it yeah. was it number two. Basically number two. Wow. Yeah. You want to keep it? Hell yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. God, this song is great. Oh. Yeah. Mm. It's such mm. a good song. Mm. And yeah, the sexual liberation quality, like the, it's such a sexy song and it's also such a like respectful song mm. and it's just, but it's also like, this is what I want. I yeah. want you, baby. But hey, I'm not going to push you. Yeah. Like, I just want you to know it's all oh. good. Like whatever you want is good. It's just, yeah. And all the like beautiful, like the sax and like that, you know, the beginning. Oh. It's just such great it's good. instrumentation. He, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good. Damn it. It's just good. Worst father ever. Can what? I make a joke about what did that? What you say? I said he has the worst father ever. Am I allowed to make a joke Who's about his father? that? His father killed him. You oh. didn't know that? His father yeah. murdered him. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. So I'll take it I down a notch and say. You have. Uh, yeah, worst father ever. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, well, bum, bum, bum. speaking of that, speaking of killing. <laughs> we're even we're even all right number three it's a good transition i'm sorry you with the segues gina stevenson all right Um, killing me softly with his song oh yeah the roberta flack Flack. yes 
Um, so I'm okay. So you made the point about Carly Simon being the only yeah. female singer songwriter. So yeah. she didn't write this song. No, she and didn't. I am of the impression that the people who wrote this song <laughs> would have gotten it out there. Would have gotten it out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> there I counted. How many? In 1973 alone. Hmm. 25. Different versions of this song? Covers, yeah. Oh, wow. So her... Wow. What? In one yeah. year? 25 yeah. different artists? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, that's like, crazy. it's... it's it, To me, I'm like, it, that's really cool that... That means, like, her... Ver, I, it's hard for me to tell whether or not they had, based on the popularity of her song, like, so many other people had bought it, or hmm. it was sold... To Bunch. the whole slew of people. I mean, <laughs> wow. um, uh, Perry Como released it this year. The um, woman who did so the eleventh song, sorry, honorable mention, Ooh. was the night the night the lights went out in Georgia. On that album is also this song. Um, yeah, Johnny Mathis did a cover this year. Uh, well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hear the other ones. I this I love this song as a song, Mm -hmm. and I think she she does a great job. Yeah, let's keep it. Right. I mean, I yeah, like I said, I think it's dope that just makes me think of all the other ones to come. Yeah, right, right. It is cool. And yeah, it stood the test. Right. You know, it stood the test of time. It did. Um, It was a fun song, and just like the, I feel like the subject of it is so I don't know, like it's the idea of like. Rec- the recognition mm. that music and art can give you of like something that you've been through that where yeah. it like so directly speaks to your experience uh, is such a great message and like one that everyone can relate to. And for a song to be like talking about that, right. it just like doubles the impact of that idea of that like, oh, I've been there and you're like, this is my life, but it's actually, mm. you know, like I just love that that is the subject of the song. And for um, like <laughs> the year of, slow songs yeah um even though it's slow it doesn't like it doesn't feel slow to listen to because the mm-hmm. the storytelling is so good and mm-hmm. it's just like it's so relatable yeah yeah i and it's so singable mm. god so i want to sing it so badly. yeah <laughs> i've been I mean, holding myself you, back no, why, no, no, no. i mean we've sung there's every enough, other there's so many good we've versions, sung though. we sung why me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but there were also like 31 other versions that came out later in mm-hmm. the 70s. So oh, 25 wow. in the, and then much. after that, I honestly just stopped Don't, counting. Yeah, you because, can't even count. Yeah, no, I'm not, yeah. Um, number two. Number two. Bad, bad, oh. Leroy, Leroy Brown. Brown. Baddest man in the whole damn town. By Jim yeah. Croce. Jim Croce? No. Croce? Cro- I don't know what his name is. His name is Jim Croce. Croce? Yes. Oh, because he's Italian. So Croce, yes. that's how you would pronounce Jim, it. I never said it out loud to this moment, and I didn't mean to. I was planning on letting you say it so I wouldn't sound like a fool. And yeah. There goes my plan. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Um, I don't listen to them. Yeah. No, he had, I mean, so something that was kind of cool to learn about him is, like, he had been working in, on music for, like, a long time and then would keep quitting. Hmm. And then, uh, basically, he released, like, two albums and then he quit music again to write and he while he was on tour this is also awful um but yeah like he had he had quit music to write um and then he like while on tour his his plane went down and he oh. died that year oh, the ni- year? 1973, 1973 yeah Whoa. this was 
And so for someone who has so many hits, mm -hmm. Time in a Bottle, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, Don't Mess Around with Jim, Operator, Photographs and Memories, I mean, he has so many hits. I mean, he released them all in, in roughly like three years. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. And it's kind of cool that he has almost like an antagonistic attitude towards New York and towards like the songwriting industry. I thought mm. that was kind of cool. Mm. Um, yeah. He has a great song called New York's Not My Home. It's mm. a great song. Cool. I'll look um, it up. Yeah. What do you think about this song in particular? Um, I mean, I think it can stay. I think it's, I think it's f fun. Um, I like it that it's, I think it's fun. I like that it's fast. Um, I don't, do you see anything negative particularly about it? Well, it is a super, like, it's a super catchy song. It's really fun. Um, I just, I was thinking about the lyrics a lot and like mm. the message of it, which is very much like it's, it's, it's like glorifying this like nasty guy who's also like, I don't know. It, and like this woman, like the, you know, I don't know. He like steals this guy's girl and then he gets like beat up, you know, and like, mm -hmm. uh, but it ends with, you know, like talking about like, he doesn't really, I don't know, like, it, I feel like it's sort of, like, making this, like, sort of asshole look cool, you know? I um, mean, <clears throat> until the end, in which he gets his ass kicked. Yeah, he looked like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple pieces gone. A couple pieces of gone. pieces gone. <laughs> a really fun image. Oh. But then, like, it goes on to, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. not glorifying him. I'm not sure. I because then, like, it's that, but then it's, like, the the chorus over and over again of, like, right. bad, bad Leroy Brown, you know. Um, but it's really, like, I love the, I don't know, there's, like, really fun rhymes and really just, like, fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm reading into it, scansion. I mean, I could even, like, argue that it's about him sort of boasting and being, like, mm. really, and then being like, like braggadocious and then being yeah. cut down. I mean, sure. but there is still, if I'm if I'm gonna read even closer, I'd say I'm less bothered by uh, the violence of it and more bothered by like the possessive attitude towards women because he yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah. Um, right yeah. to Doris who's some other guy's girl and then he learns a lesson <coughs> you know, about him messing about with the wife right. of a jealous man right so because you know yeah yeah so I'm on the fence about it. Yeah, okay. But that's fine. Let's move right. on to number one. Yeah. What a weird number one song. What a weird number one. <laughs> okay. I can't believe this is the number one This song. is number one. Um, tie a yellow, yellow ribbon. ribbon. Tie yeah. a yellow ribbon round the, the old oak, oak tree. Old, yeah. It's been three long years. Ooh, Do you, you still want me? Um, yeah. So By Tony Orlando and, and Dawn. Dawn. Um, which oddly, if you look at the album cover, it, it says Dawn featuring Tony Orlando. Oh, really? So I think that hmm. it's kind of fucked up that mm -hmm. it's seen as a Tony Orlando song. It is. Um, and then um, you want to know something even crazier? I do. Billboard ranks this as the 37th song of all time. What? Yes. Why? Yes. What the hell is this song is so. It's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. It's like and it's a, so, and it's such an easy feel, like because it ends really uh, like, oh, she does love me uh, after I spent my three years in prison. There's a thousand yellow right. ribbons around now, the tree. Now, now, I will interject, please. Um, that the popularity of this song at this time is n is not due to um, prison, but actually to Vietnam. Mm. 
um, like coming home, coming home yeah, from sure. Vietnam and uh, expressing that you still want the people that have sort of been away. Um, and yeah, this is like another one because obviously, you know, my because obviously my my parents are the sounding board for all things 70s. Uh, the I they, I was definitely greeted with, a, you know, you don't really know, we can't know what it's like to have something like the Vietnam War and like the stress yes. that that was putting mm-hmm. on on Absolutely. people and just how devastating it was. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. And there's nothing wrong with a, a feel good, like a happy ending, you know, like. Yeah. It's a weird. I'm actually like, why am I so <laughs> against that? Well, um, also, I just thought it was an impractical concept, like the ribbon and the oak tree and communicating like what you. But it's not about the practical. I need you to. I need you to clarify that. I need like, you to really how, tell me how this is an impractical thing. Like, OK, so well, he's in prison. OK. Um, so I, I'm sure I guess you can like mail letters and stuff probably from prison. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he had maybe a visitor. But I don't know. Like. I just hit the microphone and that's made a sound. Um, like at this time, my bus will be passing the tree. So like before this moment, if you like tie the ribbon, like I could so see it as like a tragedy of like, oh, she was five minutes too late when she tied the ribbons, you know. Right. You know? But instead, she just like happens to tie the ribbons at the right time. And a thousand of them, a thousand ribbons. How much time did she get to to prepare? Like, did he tell her the day before? She has to buy a thousand ribbons in a day and then tie all a thousand of them around. I mean, he's he did send he did notify her by letter. Okay, well maybe the what if like what if the letter got lost in the mail? Yes, the guards have to read your letter and like then they'll send it out once they approve. It's okay. Honestly, I don't know how long that takes. I'm here. What I'm hearing (laughs) is that you that we want we want a movie. That yes. we want a movie <laughs> yeah. where he comes home and he misses exactly. that they're there and oh. they spend the whole movie just missing each other. And then in the last moment, she then, ties the ribbons right. around his well, body. I, I was going to say they run into each other and he's like, why didn't you yeah, do that? And she's yeah. like, actually, I, I, I did. You never came to me. And then it's like, oh, man, we had oh. this misunderstanding this right, whole and time. I, I tied and around the maple tree and you said the oak tree. Yeah. Uh, you know? And then, then they just – and then she like – takes a yellow ribbon that she has and she ties she it around so his ring left finger. ring finger. Oh my God. I think I just Okay, cried. let's keep that. What We don't wow. need this song. Let's get that. You just Whoa. cried. <laughs> uh, fun thing is that the song was offered to Ringo Starr, really? but Apple Records told the songwriters that they should be embarrassed to offer a song like this. <laughs> oh my God. Really? You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. The song is trash. And then it's number one. And now it's number one Damn. and 37 right, of all just time. Just for that, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Screw suck you guys. Apple. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's keep taste it. Tastemakers, suck it. Yeah. Um, all right. We can keep it. All right. Dope. Yeah. Let's keep this thing. You know? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. You ready to go on to the sting? Let's move on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, okay. Don't you do that. I'm just Don't you check time. your watch at me. It's Don't you check your watch at me. It was at myself. Okay. Okay. The sting. I'm going to give us a little synopsis. We're moving Please. on now to talking about film. film. Um, this was the best picture Oscar winner and the top grossing movie mm-hmm. of 1973. Mm-hmm. The Sting. So it's a heist movie. Yep. Boom, boom, boom. It's set in 1936, Chicago. Nope. Um, and the area, just general Chicago area. Mm. Um, our main character is Johnny Hooker, played by Robert Redford. Mm. 
And he is a grifter, which was a very common term then, which I was like, is this a, I was like skin graft, like drifter. <laughs> drifter. <laughs> Anyways, so he's a con man is what yeah, that means. Takes people's um, thighs. He <laughs> <laughs> applies it to their face. <laughs> fix traumatic injuries. <laughs> changes things. Um, and so the beginning of the movie is we see a con where he cons $11,000 from this unsuspecting victim um, with the help of his partner, Luther, um, who is played by James Earl Jones's father, which is cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and Luther and Hooker are really good buds and um, basically like now they got this amazing con like the 11 grand is a lot of money. So Luther is basically like, I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. I'm getting out of the business. Um, but if you, since you want to stay in Hooker, he, his name is they call him. I'm just, I know Johnny I know, Hooker. So be like, hey, Hooker. Hey, Hooker. Going on, Hooker? Um, he's like, here's the name of this big time con man, though, who could like take you to the next level, teach mm-hmm. you the big con. Right. Um, now, it turns out that the victim of this con was actually a courier for this huge crime boss named Doyle Lonigan. Um, and he's obviously very pissed off about getting ripped off for so much money. Um, and then also a, this corrupt police officer named Snyder confronts Hooker, being like, hey, you stole from this crime boss. I'll help you if you give me a cut of the cash. But um, Hooker gives him counterfeit money instead and then just like runs off. Um, and... While this is happening, Lonigan's men, again, because they're very upset about this ripoff, they murder Luther. Um, so he's just dead. And Hooker then runs for his life, basically, because he's like, they're going to kill me too. So he goes to Chicago to find this big-time con artist that he was told about by Luther. And the man, he, this man that he finds is uh, Henry Gondorf. I kept thinking of Gandalf. I just have to say that name made me think of that. That's neither here nor anywhere. Um, and Henry Gondorf is played by Paul Newman. Uh, we've had this duo before. We have indeed. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. And so Gondorf, is, he's this big-time con man, but he's hiding from the FBI. Um, and basically, Hooker wants revenge for the death of Luther, and so he convinces Gondorf to help him pull off this big con where they're going to actually like con the crime boss himself, Lonigan. Um, and so to do this, they implement this super complicated scam, which most of the movie is like the plot of mm-hmm. setting up this scam which is called The Wire, where they hire a bunch of other con artists to set up this fake betting parlor where they'll like basically convince Lonigan to, to bet a bunch of money that they'll then get to take. So that's like the idea of The Wire. Um, and so Gondorf pretends to be this bookie uh, and plays this high-stakes poker game with Lonigan, and he out-cheats him. So he now he like gets 15 grand from Lonigan in this poker game. And then Hooker pretends to be... His, this guy's employee who wants to take over his boss's um, operation. And so he asks Lonigan for his help. So, yeah, that's a big part of the, like, how's it? How are they? They're right. the setup, right? It's <clears throat> like they're setting up this guy for right, the Right, because the part of the big con was, that, like, he was like, you can't just steal the money. He has to, he can't know that you stole it from him because right. then he'll come after right. you. Right, so it's a, sex, like a six, yeah. successful con. Exactly. They don't even know that you conned them until you're already, like, way gone. Right. right? Um, and so, meanwhile, Snyder, who was that corrupt cop from earlier, has tracked Hooker to Chicago um, because he's still also, like, he's really pissed that Hooker gave him counterfeit money. Um, but Snyder is intercepted by some FBI agents who basically tell him, like, you get find Hooker, and then through him, we're going to nab Gondorf because we've been looking for him, right? Um, and then through this elaborate series of cons, um, Hooker does eventually get Lonigan to agree to bet half a million dollars at this fake betting parlor that they set up um 
But Snyder catches Hooker, brings him in front of these feds who make him agree to hand over Gondorf as soon as the con is complete um, because they, they're like Luther's wife, who was also a, a grifter. Um, they're like basically, you know, they're, they're threatening him like we'll, right. we'll send her to prison. And, and we know that um, Hooker was good friends with the family and doesn't want to do that. So he's like, fine. He has a heart of gold. He has a heart of gold. Um, and so then, uh, so then, like on the day of the the final day of the st- of the sting, which is the moment in a con where you like get the money from the person. Can I interject one thing, uh, please? Um, so the he's been like working. So the people that killed Luther were sent by Lonigan, mm-hmm. and they know that he had a partner, and so he has sent assassins to try to kill him. So while, like, they just don't know what he looks like. So while Robert Redford is, like, cozying up to Lonigan, Lonigan, like, doesn't realize that the guy that he's talking to is the guy that he also has assassins trying to kill. So there are, um, there's, a like, also a subplot of him dodging the assassins. You look at me like you're confused. Of Paul Newman dodging the assassins? No, of Robert oh, Redford. Okay. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That, yeah. That I was, was just skipping that subplot. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. You were absolutely right. Well, there's. Yes. Well, I was gonna. I wasn't even gonna bring up the waitress in this synopsis. Shall I? Is no. that okay? No. <laughs> you shall not. I shall not. Anywho, so the day of the sting, um, Lonigan arrives and he places his half a million dollar bet. But um, then these FBI agents who we had seen earlier storm the parlor and they're basically like, Gondorf, we gotcha. You're coming with us, but but you. You can go free, kid, to Robert Redford. And so Gondorf is super upset, so he shoots Hooker in the back, mm-hmm. and then the FBI agents shoot Gondorf, and so they both lie dead. And then and Snyder, who's there as well, that corrupt cop, he like runs Lonigan away to like bring him to safety, because like, what's happening? Um, and as soon as they're gone, the true con comes to light, which is that the FBI agents are actually also con men. Oh. The gunshots were fake. Oh. And so they have successfully now conned a half a million dollars from the crime boss. Yep. And that's the movie. Aside from that important subplot. Well, we got that subplot in, so you, there you Yes, go. thank you, Stephen. There you go. So that's basically the synopsis. Yeah. Alright. Um, as yeah. far as yeah. Tell us about culture it. is concerned, um, so I actually struggled to find too many, like, direct references mm-hmm. um i mean it feels very oceans 11 but oceans 11 yes. is based on it, it was a remake of oceans 11 a rat pack movie so oh, it doesn't really count um <laughs> dirty rotten scoundrels is very um sting-esque and like is sort of credited as being lightly based on it and which is, is kind of funny because i almost want to call it a parody of the sting but the sting is despite everything that happens and kind of the like being part of a crime underbelly during the depression, a very lighthearted movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There is in men in black. uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones tells the joke that the vaudeville uh, guy tells. So um, hooker dates this burlesque dancer Mm -hmm. as he, as she's coming off the stage, this comedian comes out and he tells a joke um about a pervert um and popcorn um but that joke is referenced in men in black who cares um in gilmore girls they reference the nose thing the little very inconspicuous big old nose flick 
They're just like, oh, let me this walk by. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But then um, this yeah reinvigorated the popularity of Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. Oh yes, um, the soundtrack essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, in terms of this movie, like awards wise, mm-hmm. um, seven Academy Awards: wow. Picture, Director, Original Screenplay, Art Direction, Costume, Editing, and adapted score i i didn't know that there was an oscar for that ever but since he since uh marvin hamlish was basically using scott joplin as like a reference he kind of embellished the music at various points to make it directly fit the material um and yeah, won the Oscar for that. Also, uh, and this was the same director as Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Same director right? as Butch yeah. Cassidy and the Sundance cool. Kid, yeah. Um, again, could tell. thought that they would have more movies together. I always thought that they were like a legendary movie duo. Yeah. No, just two films. Just for a while. Um, this movie, $5.5 million to make, $160 million at the box office. That is like $800 million today for a movie that like – I mean, the, literally, their star power pretty much sold this. In terms yeah. of today, it's like it's an original movie. It's not, I don't. Fewer films were sort of franchise like they are today, but like, I mean, that's just. That's wild in terms of the profit. Mm. Um, based on the ex- exploits of real con men, um, but they were brothers Fred and Charlie Gondorf. Um, <laughs> it's now a. They debuted a stage musical of it last year um they did? yeah and on, uh, on the broadway it did not not on the broadway hmm. um but in <laughs> in the jersey oh. um yes and and harry connick jr played gondorf wow. um yeah um so this was a music that's interesting okay keep going mm-hmm. this was part uh so there were sort of there was a a producing trio and a producing duo um, that were involved with working on this film. Um, one was Tony Bill and Michael and Julia Phillips. Um, Julia Phillips, because of this film, this was uh, their second in a slew of films together. Um, and they, um, she's the first woman to win an Oscar as a producer. All right. Go Shaboom. Julia. Yeah. Um, then the other duo was uh, Richard Zanuck and David Brown. Uh, this was their first production as a duo, and they went on to do Jaws, uh, Cocoon, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, A Few Good Men, Deep Impact, and Chocolat. Oh, Chocolat. Uh, and they're also producers? They are also producers, yeah. Um, the The writer also – this was his second film. He went on to – to uh, Major League, Sleepless in Seattle, Mask of Zorro. So this definitely like is getting people at like a big, getting people at the start um, who went on to have like huge careers. Um, Marvin Hamlish, he is the first, in 1973, he won three Oscars that night and is like, he is one of two people to ever win three Oscars in a yeah, night. That's an insane number. Um, he has. He was one of the first people to have an egot, uh, and he's the only pegot alongside Richard Rogers because he also has a Pulitzer Prize. Um, <laughs> wow! Later in the, it, it, he's. I prefer Epgot. 
Epcot. Or Interesting. Egopt. I wonder if Disney would. Mm, would yeah, they sue might for not that. like it. Um, but uh, this was pretty much at the beginning of his career. In two years, he would do a chorus line, which would like. Um, uh, Robert Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, I was like, this guy sounds shockingly like James Earl Jones. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but he was he was mid career. He shuffled between prize fighting stage and mm-hmm. uh, and film. Film. One of my favorites that he did is he did um, uh, Eugene O'Neill's uh, All God's Chill Got Wings. He was in the original cast of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Ba, ba, ba. Fun fact: uh, Robert Shaw, who played Lonigan, that limp he's got because he's got like a limpy little leg. Little limp. They reference it. He actually had a limp. He like <laughs> fell, oh, no. messed up some ligaments in his knee, and huh. still did the film. But he, uh, yeah, just had a limp. Wow, he had a limp. Cool. Um, it was a very believable limp. So yeah, there you go. I was like, what a weird thing that they yeah. added to it. Yeah. Um, it's a character trait. So he was like 25 years into his career and he was like a big British stage actor, but he um, he would have his biggest role two years later. It was like his biggest American role um, in Jaws, um, which you said you haven't I, seen, I, right? I don't know that I've heard of that. Yeah, okay. I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, then I'm kidding. Paul, yeah, let me figure. But then uh, Paul Newman. Um, we we talked a bunch about Paul Newman and Robert Redford last yeah. time, so I'm not going to go too much into it. Blah, but a fun blah. thing about um, this was that uh, he wasn't attached to it, and the and the Gandalf character was like fat and like a minor role. And then once he got attached to it, the writers were like, "Whoop, never slim mind. him down, <laughs> beat this part up, baby." Um, and they gave him and uh, Robert Redford top billing. And I didn't know this about like the rules with top billing, but I guess that if you are billed before, if like your credits come before the title um you are considered a lead um because there's something i was reading that like because robert shaw he demanded that he be third build and before the credits um and julia phillips stated that like he did not receive a supporting a supporting actor nomination um, because he because was- he refused to let to not get top billing um you mean refuse to i see not get top yep got it you yeah he it refused right. to <laughs> let his name come up after, after the, the credit after the yeah. i didn't know that that's how you distinguish it that's really helpful to know that's yeah that's i true. well because like i know that like on broadway if you have top billing people can get their money back if you don't go on mm-hmm. like it's a big which is not something that ever happens they're always big about non-refundable so it it is a big deal to have top billing. Sure, I didn't know that. I just didn't know that was the way that it happened. Yeah, the weird little rules. Um, and then, so then uh, Eileen Brennan, who plays Billy, the the madam, um, she seems to be, I, I listed this as like being part of her explosion, that she had a few films before this, but then she had three films that came out this year and then remained super active in film and TV. So if she had three films coming out this year, that meant that like basically she was primed to explode regardless of really whether or not this movie was going to come out. Um, I know her most from, from clue that was like, how do I know this voice? And she's Mrs. Peacock. Um, then, uh, Demetra Arliss, the diner waitress. You 
yeah. deliciously left out of the mm-hmm. uh, plot summary. Um, this was her <laughs> second film only, um, and her second film. I don't know why I said only, but her this was her Rude. second film, and then she basically works really like regularly and consistently, consistently for like the next thirteen years. After that, she kind of faded, but mm-hmm. like I mean, a thirteen-year career of solid work in entertainment not a bad thing um the the guy who like really blew up directly from this film was uh snyder charles uh, he basically like he had done a few films before that and then he just became the cop like the chief of police the detective the lawyer like that kind of role boom after that his filmography just explodes um good for him yeah all right. There's a lot of people. Thank you. That was very thorough, Stephen. Was that a jab? I, was that was a jab, Gina? Thorough. It was, was a, a, it was It was more thorough than I would have made it because I'm not as thorough as you. So th- thank you. It was very thorough. I thought you had a thorough plot summary as well. Oh, Although not as thorough not. as it could have been because you left out. Oh, damn. So I Demetra can't tell Arliss. if it was too long or not long enough. Anyways. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, shall, um, we? Let's, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm re- are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, three, one, two, two, one, three. No. no. Oh, good. We both say no. Yeah. But I'm not like super against it, really. I just like honestly couldn't care about this movie because I'm just gonna jump in with my one of my no, big go reasons. For it. Go for it. I, I, like this movie is exclusively plot. There is no mm. character whatsoever. Like. No, we don't get any like change or development for any of the characters, but we also don't really know like what they want a lot of the time, aside yeah. from like to do the con. Right. Uh, and so I was just like, I am so not. And then so much of the movie, because this con is like complicated until it took me until like, you know, 25 minutes before the end of it, I feel like to really understand what they were even doing. So yeah. like an hour of it, I was just like, wait, did I miss something? Like, what are the details? What's what am I waiting for? You know, so. I just like, yeah, I was, there was no uh, sense of connection to the movie because I feel like the characters were, could have been anybody, you know? Something I also really didn't like is that, you know, the, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a a truism that there's like uh, something concrete that you're doing or that you want, but really it's symbolizing something deeper. This film was like, we're going to give you something deeper and then actually, no, it's about the superficial thing. <laughs> like, yeah, because Paul Newman had the moment where he like did. He revealed that he didn't really care too much about Luther, you know, and then he was like, well, then why are you doing this? Like, man, something to, seems something like something do. worth doing. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> wait, what? what? And then at the end, uh, when he's like, aren't you going to stay and collect your share of five hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. He was like, hmm. I just blow it. Right, he being Hooker. Yeah. He being Robert Rever- Yeah, Hooker who, Robert who was, Rever- the, who was like the guy who decided to do this in the first place. And right. like, yeah. Out of, re- like for, for to, to avenge his, his best friend's murder. Right. And then he's like, meh. Right. Like, what? Yeah. And then they just kind of walk off into the sunset right. together. Yeah. I was like, is this what? enough for me that like yeah. it just amounted to nothing? They were right. like, yeah. Um, also, gotta say, um, it won the Oscar for editing. The editing to me was like 
somebody who had just learned PowerPoint. <laughs> I it was like, and it swipes to the left. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate it. It had all to the, the like, right. Yeah, yeah. those annoying little like. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, this is. Yeah. Man, we've come a long way. Right. 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 Um, also, because you brought up so like just thinking about Luther and um, so something that I I was excited about in the beginning and then very disappointed by about halfway through the movie was that like in the beginning, like we see this friendship between Hooker and Luther. And so, mm -hmm. you know, this interracial friendship and it's set in the 30s and like that's uh, like a really wonderful and like their friendship is just like their friend. Like we don't right. really know much more. They don't like, you know, th yeah, they're just like they friends. They've been friends for a long time. They know that like the family knows him. He's really like friendly with all of them. They seem to like love each other. And there's no comment on that being irregular for the time. Right, exactly. It's just sort it's of just a given, a which yeah. is really lovely. And then, of course, Luther dies very quickly in the movie. Uh, and so then, like, Hooker's reasoning for doing all this is, like, to avenge his friend. Mm -hmm. But then it's, like, every single, everyone else who is introduced as a player or a character in the, the rest of the movie is white, you know? And there's, like, no... And it felt like they were using, like, this friendship and this this black man as sort of, like, a... Oh, but see, look, we we are we care about like you know like a representation, right. but actually like it was a, it was sort of a tool so that like now we can focus on the story of like all the white people who are going to avenge him, you know, and like and it's not even about him anymore, you right. know. So like uh, that was really like a, a sad journey that I went on watching this movie. And they know? they explain it away right because he's like he used to do the big con and he was like, yeah. no, I would never do the I never really did the big con because no one who you could really con in the big con right, no one would rich trust it if there was a black man involved. Right. So I'm like, oh, well, now you just kind of set up internal logic so yeah. that if somebody complained, right, you could you be like, oh, but it. they said, they right. said you got to do right. all white people because the the rich people, they're the racists, you know, because right. they're, they're not us, yeah. they're them, yeah. it's them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I also thought like, so uh, I'm like, are we going to see Hollywood kind of moving in a direction of like wanting to diversify? And as we start to see the early stages of the, that diversity, are we going to be watching the development of the tropes that we come to now know? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, a year ago, uh, the, you know, it's a, well, it's a horse, I think, that dies first. But, you know, it's like all the Godfather. I'm sorry, oh, in oh, the Godfather. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, but like, you know, the idea, the, the trope that like mm -hmm. the black man will die first. Yeah, yeah. You know, I we haven't really, I mean, obviously there's been loads of films from each year that we haven't watched, but like this is the first one that we're watching where it's like, oh, well, you know, there have previously been like a disturbing a, dis a disturbing lack of representation now that we're getting sort of like kind of mm -hmm. uh, petty forms of representation are we also going to see the development mm -hmm. of the yeah. the things that we're now like ugh, right. are you sort just gonna do tropes. blank yeah. like yeah, is yeah, it yeah, just yeah. gonna be this um totally. yeah i definitely felt like that i also felt like and i know that it was a setup um in the beginning when we see him pull his con with luther mm -hmm. um there there's just sort of a moment of like to me deliberate kind of like hollywood ignorance when he's like we're gonna get the cops and he's like no cops no cops and he's like what you wanted for something and it was like mm. 
or like knowing well, he doesn't trust the cops obviously, exactly <laughs> like they would not trust him you know? yeah, yeah. A- and and yeah. so i i thought that that was sort of like a it would be it would just be handled totally differently right. now right. um and then this is something that isn't related to um um luther luther mm-hmm. um but also i i thought that um so so Lonergan sends out these two assassins, but they fail. Um, and so he sends out his best guy, Salino. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was like, oh, okay. So like Italians kill people. Mm-hmm. That was my, you know, yeah. like at the yeah. time where, you know, because we're also like, like we had mentioned getting into like the mob and all sure. these things. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, yeah, our best man for the job mm-hmm. is Italian. Right. Yeah. Right, even um, though no one else in his operation that we've met is Italian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, totally. So I definitely saw saw that. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, this is sort of like a bigger, th- a big in general thing, but it's, so this is set in the height of the Great Depression. And I feel like there is something really interesting as sort of the backdrop of this, of like the, the disparity between like having this like opulent, ex- exorbitant wealth that like you've got through crime right and like the reality of so many of the citizens who like have no money and have nothing you know and are like scraping to get by right and like the and there are a couple of scenes where we like sort of get some sense of that like there's one scene where like um hooker's getting being like chased and he like runs through this like tent city Mm -hmm. and then like the and the whole idea like the way that these really wealthy like mob bosses got rich is like through these illegal like gambling rings which are like totally aimed at getting desperate poor people to like bet their money the little money they have so yeah. and then like all of that goes to making them wealthy and i just feel like there wasn't like that could have been such a uh, an interesting and important thing to explore but it was sort of just like left in the background in a way that i thought was unsatisfying yeah and sort of purely we've kind of dealt with this with a couple of films now. Like this is purely uh, glorifying the, the life of a a A criminal criminal and and a con person, as opposed to the the fact that literally, like you said, they are living this life that's super outside of the, the norm for the depression. Like Mm -hmm. that is coming on the backs of people who are the most desperate. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed that a little bit, but I definitely, you're talking about it makes me more and more frustrated with this film. <laughs> um, well, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you feel about, um, how'd you feel about the dancer? His like girlfriend in the beginning? Well, so like women in general in yeah. this movie. I mean, yeah, that was the next thing. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is the movie where, I mean, so he just like has a, gratuitous scene with like this burlesque dancer and like we don't she doesn't come back in the story at all except Mm -hmm. to show like he's once he has money he is able to like take this lady out you know and like there's a whole scene where she's like got just the what are they called on just the nipples they're like like, pasties with tassels you know you know you know the thing she's stripped all the way you know burlesque style and like there's a whole you know for like 30 seconds we just get to like watch her dance Mm -hmm. um for no reason so Obviously, that was not good. Can uh, I say what I did like about it, though? And you can that? be like, Stephen, you can shut up. But like, what I thought was interesting was 
because um, he's taken her out on this date. He's just made all these like thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, like this is in the beginning when he's like that first con. right with that yeah. first uh, first con with Luther. He like he doesn't seem to like shame her at all. He yeah. doesn't fe- seem to feel like remotely uncomfortable, and he doesn't like use the money as a way of talking about how she could get out. Um, True of of that, um, which I know that for. Like, I know that a lot of people find um, that really frustrating because that seems to be the conversation that always around surrounds cinematic depictions of sex work, that it's always, like, the person trying to work you. their way out. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, and also, like you said, this movie is pretty devoid of character, except mm-hmm. she's the only one that kind of has a backstory and <laughs> that we know that she's she's a trained actor actress that moonlights as a dancer Mm. because she talks about like casting people being in the audience that night and that like that impeding her ability to get cast um yeah but then he just like leaves her and there's no reference to whether or not i mean presumably he his first thought is to take her out and yet she's just just gone. gone right yeah. yeah, and it's not like he went to another city. Like he's just in Chicago the rest of the movie, which is close. Yeah, I don't know I where Joliet is, yeah, but, but seemed to be Chicago area, sub- mm-hmm. suburban perhaps. Sure. Yeah, and I just in general, I'm like any time it's like male filmmakers and writers, like, uh, like sh- just like the fact that she does her dance for us is like mm. everything else that you're saying. I'm I agree with, but like we really don't need to see that. And like, you're only putting that in because it's sexy. You yeah. Know? It's like super male gazing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then there's only, so then there's like the character of Billy who is, yeah, she, so she runs this, <laughs> this really, we- it's like a, it's like a, um, I forgot the like appropriate word. Thank I mean, you, I don't brothel. really know that that's no, I mean, even like, the sure. current best way to phrase it, but, but it's also like, I got like a carnival, like a merry-go-round, like a, a carnival thing. Yeah. And so she owns it and she's the madam, as you said, and, and Gondorf, when we meet him, like he's been living there and like working, like repairing the merry-go-round mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and she is a character who like, we see also like participate in the con and she like, you know, steals someone's wallet and stuff like that. Um, and she and Gondorf like have, yeah, Lonigan's wallet. wallet. Right, yeah, yeah. right. And she and Gondorf like have a relationship, you know, and um yeah, and I again, but like there she doesn't have any no one has character. So right. I don't really know what to think about her. Uh Yeah, I mean, I literally <laughs> actually my notes are Billy. <laughs> is she just a character or is she just there? Like right. is she really a character because she does do things, but a lot of times she'll do them and then, like, Paul Newman will have a line, and then she'll just follow him off screen yeah. and not say anything. And it's like, mm-hmm. what? Um, right. Also, she has a name, but, like, I had to to Google it after <laughs> the movie because there's so little. Like, it, it's like she's introduced, and then it's like, Foom, and then her, like, conversation time is so minimal that you – like lose track of like who yeah, she is yeah yeah totally yeah and then there's the waitress whose mm-hmm. plot i left out rudely for you my did, synopsis you did. Um, um because basically like hooker goes to this diner and like this waitress serves him this really crappy meal um and then he like uh but he likes her yeah and he comes back well she's not the usual waitress the usual waitress wasn't right. there that day right right yeah 
and I yeah which I also so clearly he's like in a place that he knows pretty well so again like why couldn't he be dating this woman who he was dating before right um right so she's a new waitress and she's like just she's like trying to get out of there and he likes her for some reason because she's I don't know why uh because again character no no idea she's not Um, like the other girls I guess um, so in that she's Greek (laughs) 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 right uh and so then he like comes back and is like he like asks her if she wants to like you know hang out after work if he could take her out and she's like no I'm going to sleep and then he like watches as she like closes up and from like across the street and then he like follows her up to her apartment and like knocks on the door and is like how about a nightcap and she's like no and then he's like if i was expect like what do you expect and he's like if i was expecting something i wouldn't still be standing outside the door and i was like whoa are you saying that like you would be like pushing inside the apartment and like just taking her and then anyways and she like lets him in and they have sex presumably we don't see Mm -hmm. it and then it turns out, like, the next morning she's gone, and it turns out she was actually, like, an assassin hired Well, by he doesn't know that. Yeah, he, she steals all his stuff. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then they're – Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you, well, this whole time we're, like – Well, because we're, like, <laughs> she steals all the stuff, and then we see – we keep seeing these, like, flashes of uh, somebody um, – like these like gloved hands, yeah. you know, putting a silencer on a gun and everything and watching into the window at like watching Robert Redford everywhere he goes. So then you, then you see that he's being followed and he runs into uh, the waiter in this alley and then he's like approaching her arms spread out like, what's the deal? And then boom, guy, glove guy comes out, takes aim and then boom shoots her in the head mm-hmm. and you're like wait what, what? um because <laughs> yeah because there's even like a there's a line about where that paul newman says to to robert redford like oh probably um he'll probably miss and hit me instead oh, right. and and oh, so yeah. you're almost like oh did he did he, did he miss that? and he hit her instead mm-hmm. and then it turns out no he was sent by paul newman she's selino mm-hmm. the best assassin of Lonergan's group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, how, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, so she's just like, again, we don't get any sense of her character aside from that plot. And so she's just sort of presented as like a, I mean, it's cool that she's like a badass and she's an assassin. I guess like that's not a representation we get to see, but she's right. also just like, or you can say it, see it as like a manipulative, untrustworthy woman, you know? So like, yeah, but like because we don't get a sense for who she is i can't tell which one i'm supposed to think about her you know right also um uh, this film has so much casual sexual harassment that (laughs) has not even the slightest bit of commentary like when he's you know um when he's getting his makeover you know, the, like oh, the yeah. manicurist. Robert Redford has to like look more presentable, so yeah. he like, gets a makeover. She's yeah. like doing his nails, and he's like, like to. Da, 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 right, we can't da, even da, hear the dialogue, da, 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 da. and he's just like <laughs> just hey, hey. silent film, like yeah, it's just so yeah. And in the very beginning too, like the there's just like the secretary woman and this guy who's like coming into this office, mm. and he just like comes up from behind her and like squeezes her basically, and she's like stop it get away and then like yeah. he like chuckles and like man spreads on a chair and then as he leaves the office he comes over and like squeezes her again and yep. she's like Ugh. yeah just, just for a laugh just for fun you know that's yep. the only reason it's there not the slightest bit 
no commentary at all. No. Um, and then there was another moment where like, uh, he's he needs to get into the phone booth. There's like a phone booth in the diner, and there's just like a woman speaking, and he like violently rips her out of the phone yes. booth. It's like, damn. Really aggressively. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and again, no one is like, hey, man, <laughs> this is a restaurant. <laughs> she was on the phone. Right, just <laughs> like, for a second. Yeah. Right. Or like, excuse me, ma'am. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially like if it's a payphone in the depression. Right, like that <laughs> nickel was... Precious. Right, she was like, "You need to give me back money." Like yeah. she wouldn't, yeah. Right, right. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that this is worth saying, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I did think that like the world building was kind of good. Mm-hmm. Like they really establish early on that like everyone in this world is a cheater. That's true. Yeah, like yeah. because the first thing that he does is well, like. We we see a grifter. We see like a, a racketeer, and then he grifts the racketeer, mm-hmm. and then uh, he gambles it, and then the the guy who does the the roulette table rigs the board mm-hmm. so that he loses all of his money, and then he's beat up and like they dem- by a cop demanding right. that he yeah. give him money. So like That's they true. kind of show that like very quickly. They establish like how corrupt yeah. the world is, sort of from like all ends. Yeah, but at the same, which is yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. And so, like um, Hooker's main, if we know anything about his character, it's that mm. he's like really loyal to his friends. And so, something that I just didn't buy as like a as an audience member, like to feel the like will he, won't he thing, was when he does get caught by these quote-unquote feds like their thing is like you have to give up gondor um or else we'll send this other woman to prison too but like and so he's like he says yes when the whole thing i'm like the point of this like the only thing we know about him is like he is like loyal to his friend luther and so therefore he's obviously going to be loyal to his friend gondorf like who set up this whole thing so like there was no question in my mind that he uh like his loyalty was like it didn't make sense to me that I was supposed to think it was like I was suspicious of it and maybe I'm supposed to be suspicious of it because well it do is you a think that he didn't know of it that what that he didn't know because he knew like he didn't know <clears throat> that Paul Newman sent someone to protect him right but do you think that he didn't know about the feds no no I he knew about the feds and because I was part of the con I'm just saying yeah. like we as an audience are supposed to it's supposed to be a surprise it's ambiguous us, yeah you know? i think yeah. it's supposed to be it's more fun mm-hmm. i would imagine from everyone's point of view including the, the filmmakers <clears throat> if like we think that like these are really the feds yeah and so like the idea the premise of like you have to give up this guy who you've spent the whole movie clearly becoming like dependent on i just like didn't buy that that was like, like it was too easy for him to do it no that he just like wouldn't give him up like it was clear that he wouldn't give him up because his whole the only thing we know about him is that he's loyal so like mm. obviously he's not going to give up this friend so i don't it just made me like immediately even like, for luther's wife since she's like got the kids yeah, and i mean yeah true but like we also haven't seen her in a while and like he seems closer to gondorf right now than he right. does to them maybe i don't know so yeah hasn't actually thing, mentioned her one single time right, right. Um, i don't know her name yeah but um, mrs luther right 
but that's that's a small thing but like i just yeah again about character and world Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think and i i don't know if it's because i've been more like group now that like there have been so many oceans you know oceans movies Mm -hmm. and all this Mm -hmm. these kinds of like heist movies uh, maybe it was that that i was sort of bringing to it where i was expecting the con you know maybe Mm. if i was a 1973 audience member like I would have been thinking that these were actually the feds. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I, I sort of, I bought it until that moment, which was cool, but mm. keep going. But well, I mean, that's yeah. kind of it. It's just yeah. kind of where I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. True. Cause you're expecting it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, I've just sort of been more clued into how these movies work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that, that is something we don't really get to experience, which is how like somebody would have been receiving it at the time. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Um, should we? Um, we can. Should we? Should we it's move a little on bit to double check. Perfunct, perfunctory oh. at this point, but uh, I feel yeah, like I we feel can like agree. Clear. Yeah. Mm, we one, one, two, one. Three. Goodbye. Go, go. You can go. Bye, bye, yeah. Sting. You've been stung. But oh, boom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's good to know. Um, what is next? Next week. week? Oh, Don't next week should know. be fun. Yeah. Next week is oh. going to be fun because it is uh, The Godfather Part 2 as nice. our Best Picture winner. And then, oh, a film that I haven't seen for many years but am very excited to do, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. I think that it will be – this will definitely hit up that whole challenging your nostalgia mm-hmm. uh, aspect yeah. of this conceit. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Blazing Saddles and The Godfather Part 2, Coming baby, up. 1974. Yeah, moving on through. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, Gina. Gina, I couldn't part. I couldn't part <laughs> without asking you. Where you can find me? Oh, hell yeah. Well, I oh, am, hell yeah. now I'm Gina underscore with a G on Ooh. Instagram. And Steven. Yeah. Well, what about you? I'm, I'm I know where you I'm are. Stephen Moskis. You, you know how to everywhere. find me. Stephen Moskis everywhere. We are hey, also, we uh-huh. are a Rock Rising production. Yeah, baby. Follow them. Follow Rock Ooh. Rising on Instagram. Follow yeah. Rock Rising. Go to their website. You know, they have so many podcasts. Yeah, looking they, for they artists would. podcasts. They're all very different. Which they is actually are. Yeah, fun. They're looking for artists. They interview different artists. Spoiler. Oh, man. They give you plots of films that you didn't even know <laughs> those films had. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, great. We'll catch you later. We'll see you next time. Yeah. This has been a Rock Rising Productions podcast. Thanks for listening.